is up, sexy schmexy? Oh, sexy schmexy. Schmexy. Yeah, from Texas. Yeah, on the schmexy. Well, who are you from Texas? Oh, I'm not. No. <laughs> I've actually never even been to Texas <laughs> of all the places I've been to. So now, for some reason, we just need to go to Texas together and go record. Dude, I so I had a family member, one of my my close cousins growing up, moved to Texas when we were young. And I was going to go visit him with one of my other cousins one year. And I got so like preemptively homesick as a kid that I didn't even go on the trip. I like canceled my trip the morning of and didn't go. It's weird. Like I haven't thought of that in years. How long ago was that? Or what age were you? I don't know. Probably like seven or eight. Okay. So as a fellow seven or eight year old little child, (laughs) I was quite a mama's boy and I was a similar sort of kiddo. And I would just like miss my parents madly and just want to go home. And so like, I remember going to like friends' houses and then they need to call my parents because I just really, really miss them. And they had to come pick me up. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me a couple of times too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That happened to me at camp too. I went to a, I went to a summer camp with a few of my, a few of my teammates from like the soccer team I was playing on. Yeah. And I got so fucking homesick that I cried every single day when I was there. Yeah. And this was probably what, like two years ago? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Grown ass man. I still, I still cry every single day thinking about my parents. (laughs) <laughs> you cry every day thinking about daddy what's up baby <laughs> oh i had to throw that in there <laughs> uh, just longing for you that's really what it is i mean we're always longing for each other lifetime after lifetime <laughs> we know that's damn well true and if you keep getting another. a bunch of texts from random numbers i've been buying a lot of burner phones <laughs> <laughs> for some reason i thought of like you all of a sudden like quantum leaping into different timelines and they're not timelines with different lifetimes and then texting me from those and then they're just random numbers that pop up in different Zacks. A bunch of backlogged text <laughs> messages from like 15 years ago. A bunch of backlogged nudies and D-pics from Zach. <laughs> You're like, not once could you have hopped into an incarnation where you were a woman. Like, yeah, no, thank man. you. Thank you. No, it's forever our love. I know what you like. <laughs> uh, so you have a... Harrowing tale. Interesting harrowing story. <laughs> yes, you hero you. <clears throat> oh, God. Tales of um, heroes and men. Of heroines. <laughs> yeah, so so over this weekend, I had this really, really nice weekend planned. Um, my girlfriend was coming to visit. Uh, got her a flight. She flew in. I got this really nice Airbnb or this like this really cute Airbnb, I should say. It was very quaint. Uh, up in Tahoe. So we were going to go up there and was gonna she had never been to california i was gonna show her this like really beautiful vacation up in tahoe beautiful lake beautiful nature and it was supposed to be just this really magical time you know we're gonna go to the lake we were gonna go hiking we're gonna do all this fun stuff uh so we get up there we have a we have a couple beautiful days up there uh and then on our last day we're like going out for dinner we get all dressed up and go to this restaurant and they're only doing takeouts we're like okay, well, like we got dressed up, like we, we look cute. Like, let's go, let's go sit down somewhere and, you know, stare at each other and <laughs> like look out at this beautiful nature, look out over the lake and just like have a good time. So we went out for, for dinner at this other like random place that we saw. And your boy has been eating vegetarian for like the last, like last month or so, last month and a half. And uh, on this trip, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to eat like, I'm going to eat meat. It'll be just easier if I don't try and stay vegetarian 
in a place where 95% of the restaurants are American style eateries. <laughs> like everything is meat. So we go, I uh, have some tacos and we're like hanging out, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple hours later, mind you on like the last night of our, of our trip in Tahoe, I get fucking food poisoning. And I am like dying that night. Like, so I'm, I'm fucking dying. You, you've all gotten food poisoning. You know, you know, I don't need to go into gory details here. And she's just like passed out on the couch. She's like such a sound sleeper. So I'm like trying to watch a movie and I'm just like so sick and nauseous. And I'm like getting up to like, and I'm getting up to go to the bathroom and she's just like passed out on the couch. And then I come back and I have to like move her legs. And she just like goes, mm-hmm. and just goes back to sleep. <laughs> I'm just like having this harrowing night. And she's just like taking this nice little nap on the couch. Um, and I was just fucking rocked for the rest of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining that you're just dying and she's just there just so cuddly and like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she seems like a rock dude. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Meanwhile, <laughs> 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 like, yeah. Meanwhile, this like the camera cuts and there's like death metal playing and I'm just like losing it. <laughs> Uh, the next morning we had to like check out of the Airbnb and head back home. Oh, and it was like, car ride this, sounds scary. it was a rough car ride for me, man. Let me tell you, so, oh, man. <laughs> but to get everything unpacked, we were like, uh, we were in this, this second story kind of in-law suite and the stairs were like incredibly steep and incredibly narrow. And there was barely like enough head clearance into the breezeway for even me, you know, <laughs> like five, five. So we had all this shit. We had our suitcases and like a cooler and all this stuff. Um, and mind you, like I'm getting dressed and I'm short of breath getting dressed. Like that's, that's like the level of like sick I'm at this, at this point. So I like put my shoes on and I'm like, <sighs> and she's like, let me load the, load the truck or like load the, like the truck. Like I fucking drive a truck, please. <laughs> He's like, let me load the car. Neil is laughing his ass off because uh, I drive a little girly car. So she's like, let me load the car. And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Like I'll do it. The stairs are, the stairs are steep. They're narrow. Like I don't want you to fall. And meanwhile, I'm like barely able to put a pair of fucking sweatpants on. It's imagine like one legged, one leg in, one leg out trying to like jump up onto the truck and then just slipping and falling. <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> I was just wearing a t-shirt for bottoms and fucking sweats for tops. <laughs> It's like you just did a walk of shame. <laughs> mess, mess aside, choice of words for that. <laughs> Rough times aside, um, yeah, I remember we talked about the switching over to vegetarian thing, and I never got to fully ask about that. But I'm curious what made you switch? What yeah. was the intuitive pull? Or I had like three separate things pop up in the course of a month where people kind of like without my solicitation were talking to me about vegetarian or about like harming animals and stuff like that. So um <clears throat> first was my girlfriend telling me that she's vegan. Um or like you know kind of like mostly vegan, slightly pescatarian, but like generally speaking, just eating like lots of vegetables. And I was like, okay, like that's a nightmare, but sounds good. And then maybe I don't know, two, three weeks later, I had this really intense day with a, a physician preceptor and we didn't have like any patients that day. We were working with trauma and like no traumas came in. 
So we sat around for like three hours and we were having this incredibly like spiritual conversation about like the intuitions that we receive in meditation and like these spiritual insights and like, I don't know, it was just like incredibly deep, like somebody beyond the level of like generally, oh, I just meditate, you know, like this guy was like, he, he was in it, he was in the world, you know, and he was telling me, he's like, you know, I, I always listen to the, in, the intuitions that I received during my meditations and for over a year when I was deep in meditation, I kept hearing the same sentence or the same sentiment don't consume suffering. And I couldn't figure out what it meant, blah, 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 blah. And eventually he, he started to eat vegetarian and the message stopped. And then maybe three or four days before that, I was talking to another physician preceptor and this guy like goes golfing and stuff like that. And we were talking about camping. Cause he'd asked me about my tattoo and I was like, yeah, you know, we're like scrubbing into a surgery and I'm like, you know, do you, uh, do you ever fish? And he goes, no, like, I don't like to make things suffer in order for me to have my enjoyment. And I was like, Jesus, like he could have just said no, but like <laughs> noted and having those three things kind of back to back to back, I was like, am I receiving like an intuition here that I should be cutting meat out of my diet? So I just decided, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. How's it felt for you since? Or like, what have you noticed shifting? I know not much. very busy since, but <laughs> yeah, not much, honestly. I mean, um, I guess like generally speaking, I feel less bloated. That's that's pretty much the only thing I've noticed, but like, I don't have like better energy or mm-hmm. anything like that. You know, I haven't I, had, I don't have any profound health story to tell about it. I think about sometimes, well, it's, I think a lot of people really benefit from that right away, but I wouldn't imagine you being one of those people because you naturally eat very well anyways. So there's less like bloat inducing things that you're consuming. <laughs> um, but I know a lot of times people also then get bloated because of the excess vegetables and fruit that their system isn't used to. Yeah. All the extra fiber and stuff can mm-hmm. be really hard on people. Um, what I will say though, like is that even for like the last year or more, Anytime I go out, anytime mm-hmm. I've like gone out to a restaurant and eaten meat, I've had a really tough time. Mm-hmm. Like I'll like, for example, I'll go out and I'll eat a burger and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll have like the most painful stomach cramps where like, it just keeps me up all night. Uh, so meat has been a problem for me for a while, actually. And I've just been ignoring it because when I prepare meat at home, it's not a problem. So I'll ask this intuitively. Do you think that's the meat or the combination of that meat with like the low quality oils and everything? Yeah, probably the low quality oils and all that. I mean, like, you know, you go out and you eat a burger and the burger is like drenched in butter and mm-hmm. oil and shit like that. So, you know, the fat content is like. Which one done well is actually really good for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if, well, <laughs> yeah, if your body's adapted to it, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you, if you go from eating like, five meals a day and they all have like heavy vegetables and like low fat. And then you go and you eat like a fucking burger and you get your day's worth of fat in one sitting. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to sit well. It's coming from the restaurant industry and a family of people that love to eat out. Uh, yeah. Most, most meat in the restaurants that we consume are pretty low quality. And most of, cause they, unless you're going to like a farm table place or something like that, that's just a little bit more intentional. Um, they all get their meat from the same people. And it's like the same, like three major companies that run all of us meat. And mm-hmm. it's, it's all just like that. It's just, yeah. Suffering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. suffering. And 
you know, it was interesting when I was, when I was really sick this weekend, I had really, really bad chills, um, the night of, and it was out of proportion to like a normal type of like fevers, chills. Right. Cause like, you know, we've all been sick. We've all had a fever and been like, Oh, I have these intense chills because my body feels really fucking cold. Right. Because your, your body's internal set point for temperature went up like, you know, two or four or three degrees or whatever. And then every, like the room that you're in therefore feels two to three or four degrees cooler. So you shiver, you know, your body shivers to like get the heat up in your body. For me, I didn't feel cold at all. Like it's summertime. I was wearing a sweater and sweatpants wrapped up in a blanket. And I was like shivering to the point where like my whole, the whole bed was like shaking. Cause like my body was like wow. vibrating at that level and my teeth were clattering and I was like, I'm not even fucking cold, you know? Mm-hmm. And I had this like sense that I was clearing some kind of vibration out of my body as well. And it made me think of this podcast or not this podcast, but this like lecture that Ram Dass had given. And he was talking about his guru Maharaji. And he was like, Ma, like I've given Maharaji 1200 micrograms of LSD. And for those people who have, who have never like done any, like looking into um, psychedelics, uh, a standard dose of LSD is a hundred micrograms. That's like the kind of, Oh, I'm like seeing shit and, you know, having really intense experiences. So he gave Maharaji 12 times the normal dose of LSD and it didn't affect his consciousness at all. He's like, but I've seen him get violently ill from eating like dal and rice prepared by a chef that was at a low consciousness. And I had like that kind of thought running through my mind. Not that I think I'm a fucking guru by any means. That's not at all what I'm saying, but like just the, just the general idea that the things that we consume carry some kind of vibration that might be out of tune with what we're existing at. And, uh, sorry, go ahead. I would say that story is always so wild. Every time I hear that, (laughs) that he, that he took, I just, I didn't know the meat part of it though. Yeah. Or the food part of it. Yeah. But it's true, man. Like, there is such a natural process as we elevate our consciousness, like the body starts being very specific about what it wants and what it doesn't. So like our buddy Colin, like he can't do tap water. It just, his body refuses, refuses it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's also love where that guy's bougie as shit. And I love that about him, but <laughs> yeah. it, it just won't. And there's times too, where I'm, you know, my body won't do it. I like I, for like a few weeks, we'll can only have bottled water. Um, and there are usually times when I'm a bit more meditative times when I'm a bit deeper or going through some big transformation. Um, but I remember too, like when I was going like the big Akashic records year and I was ended up being called to do all these like water fasts and stuff, my nutrition and what that meant always was changing too. And I remember there's times where I could barely have any meat. I was remember times when my body wanted nothing but meat. I remember times when like I only wanted soup for a few, for like a few weeks Mm -hmm. and it just kept evolving. But I think, you know, to this point, like as we are changing and shifting in our consciousness, like that does make profound change on our body's needs. And then Mm -hmm. being able to lighten up the body, right? Like to not have this physical dense, low vibrational energy in it um, allows it to lift even more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, your, 
I think as you begin to elevate in consciousness past a certain, past a certain threshold or past a certain point, like, I mean, really it's, I mean, it's all a scale, right? So this is, this is all a scale, but like as past a certain point, it becomes very noticeable is that your body's, your body's uh, choosiness or pickiness becomes more of an energetic phenomenon rather than one so much of a purely like molecular physical nutrition where it's like, yeah, you know, sure. Like obviously you need all your B vitamins, right? You need all of your, your minerals and stuff like that. Your trace minerals, your essential amino acids and blah, blah, blah. But the things that my body rejects have all of those things, right? Like you, you know, whatever I have, like a, a certain protein bar sitting on my shelf right now. It's got all the things that I would want in it. And it's got like vitamins in it and minerals in it. And it's got protein in it and blah, blah, blah. But my body like feels like physically ill thinking about it. There's some vibrational quality to it that, that it doesn't want, right? Like I can, I've eaten fish here that I've prepared for myself. No problem. There have been times I've eaten fish out of restaurants and I'm like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't get like food poisoning from it, but I feel like just off, like my brain feels foggy and blah, blah, blah. There's just something about the, the energetics of what we're consuming. So there's a thing for me, and I've had this since I was a kid. I can always tell when it's bad meat. Um, even my mom, who is like the restaurant person, right? The chef with like 30 plus awards. I'll eat this thing. And I'll tell her, like, this is bad meat. Like we need something like this is either old or really, really bad quality. She's like, she tastes like, no, this is fine. Like, this is good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is not. <laughs> and I am always very, very sensitive to low quality meat. Um, to the point that you're making, um, you actually even said to me, this was at the tail end of my return and on big, big, big Akashic records time, mm -hmm. um, you did a reading and a healing for me and you're like, you probably won't need as much food now. And that's actually one of the things mm -hmm. I was going to remark on because I, and I think there's a big truth to this as your body starts to function a bit more on the energetic and less on the physical. I think there's a level of this energetic sustenance that begins to be able to take place of not all, but some of that physical sustenance that we need. And I mm -hmm. thought, and I, this is far beyond where I'm willing to take this, but I thought of the breatharians out there, people who actually stop eating and i can't remember what it means for water but they won't consume any food and are basically only functioning as a human plant in photosynthesis bringing in energy into their body i think i think i've heard of that that's yeah. that's ridiculous <laughs> there's a lot of people that have i mean i will say probably the majority of people that have done that have died but i want to say there's a few people successfully doing that i don't know that's a total fucking spew out of the back of my head but um it's a thing yeah yeah i mean i think i've heard of that i mean i've heard of breatharians before and i think i've, I've heard of like people doing it mm -hmm. successfully but you know who knows right like i've i've never met those people and successfully to what extent what does that mean <laughs> yeah it's never so. been successfully documented are they actually like eating um who knows right who knows what's going on uh yeah i mean i i, I do believe that a lot is possible through through spirit but that being said um there are a lot of people who want the accolade of being able to say that they can do something cool like that and jump into something like that far before they're ever called to do it 
And they'll be like, oh, like I've read one spiritual book and like, I'm totally open to this world. Time for me to stop eating and then I'll fucking die. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not the kind of, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of difficulties. In the- <laughs> yeah. I see that. That's like the guru at the end of their life level, like <laughs> at the end of their ability level. Yeah. Yeah. So I am, bro, I've done about 10,000 lives. I'm fucking done with this shit. I don't care if I live or die. I'm God. And then they just fucking stop eating. And then like, oh, well, looks like I'm not dying (laughs) until eventually they turn to a force ghost. Bro, that's exactly what I was thinking I was going to say. You went poof. And then I imagined like a robe falling off of somebody's body. (laughs) Yep. I thought of the exact scene in Star Wars. Force ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for psychically sharing me and what I was thinking. Sharing it. Yeah. Just hold you up. Look. (laughs) <laughs> and there's nothing here it just went <laughs> poof <laughs> um i am curious if your personal viewpoint on meat or nutrition has changed at all this past month past month since no not really um i mean i think that I, nutrition is very very complex Um, and anybody who tries to sell you one form of eating is a fucking con artist. Mm -hmm. Like they're just trying to sell something that, that either they believe in, um, that has worked really well for them and they're enthusiastic about it, or they have some vested interest in Mm -hmm. what they're, what they're moving forward. Right. So like there are people who the carnivores or the vegans, the (laughs) vegans, right. Like there are people who will eat vegan or eat vegetarian, because it's good. They think it's better for the environment. And even that's debatable, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the yeah. debate, you know, there's, there are studies coming out that show that even that's not necessarily true, but of all, of all reasons, I think that's a pretty philosophically good reason, right? Like, Oh, right. reduce suffering, do it better for the environment, try to have more sustainable, um, sustainable nutrition, uh, for the world. Right. I think that's a pretty good thing. Then you have people who are eating entirely carnivore and they're saying like, well, you know, there are studies of people who have had total colectomies, which means like your entire colon has been removed and all you have is a small bowel and they eat a completely carnivore diet and you measure their colostomy bag, which is like, if you took your intestines, attached it to the the front of your, your abdomen and you had a bag there. And that's kind of like what your, your body naturally like pooped into not a great image, but it, a lot of people have them, um, you know, barely anything comes out. So like the body is actually digesting the meat really, really well, uh, versus, I don't know. So all these, you you get all these different things and people are like, Oh, well, you know, we're built to be carnivores because we have a stomach acid that is comparable to like vultures and hyenas, which like eat bone and rotting meat. And like, you know, why would we have a stomach acid like that? If we weren't meant to eat meat, then we have canine teeth and like incisors and blah, blah, blah. So like evolutionarily, they'll try and make the argument. Um, and then you have the American Heart Association that's like lobbying against red meat and stuff like that because uh, because of, you know, cholesterol and heart attacks and things like that. And the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, and I think those people who are like, we have to look at the genetics and the epigenetics and the anthropology of what we're eating are the people who are generally speaking the most correct, who go like, oh, <clears throat> if I take somebody who's an Alaskan native, who's Inuit, and I feed them a standard American diet, uh, they're going to die of uh, complications of diabetes and heart disease probably by the time they're in their 50s or 60s because 
their ancestors grew up in a place where there's very, very little access to starch or fruit because it's barren cold all the time. And they ate a lot of animal products, a lot of fat, like a lot of saturated fats, a lot of meats, blah, blah, blah. So their bodies are epigenetically and even genetically, so epigenetically imprinted and genetically designed to digest animal products, digest high levels of fat and utilize fats and ketones as substrates. And if you challenge them with high levels of um, high glycemic carbohydrates, meaning things like bread, um, watermelon, corn, things like that, they're going to get diabetes because they have poor insulin resistance because their body doesn't use insulin. Versus if you take you see the same thing with American natives, right? So native, you know, native American Indians, um, they, they have some of the highest complications of diabetes and heart disease because, you know, their ancestors grew up hunting and gathering like far later into, into human evolution than the Europeans did versus Europeans who can tolerate higher amounts of carbohydrates, right? Because they developed agriculture far earlier than a lot of others and uh, developed grain silos and all these different things. Not that it's necessarily good for them. I would probably argue that inflammatory markers now are higher than they would have been hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago for several different reasons, but um, but they can tolerate that kind of thing better because they've been eating it for hundreds of years. So you know, you get these anecdotes, I know I'm talking for a long time, but you get these anecdotal stories where like uh, strength and conditioning coaches will be coaching team, like hockey teams or football teams or whatever. And they'll have like Alaskan, um, Alaskan native Inuit uh, players who are really, really overweight and they're struggling to lose weight, even with their nutritionists and their trainers and blah, blah, blah. And their head strength and conditioning coach will be like, oh, you know, you're going home for the holidays to Alaska, like with your family, just eat whatever your family cooks. Like, don't worry about your nutrition. They'll go home and they'll be eating like, you know, heavy meats and blubber and like, just like lots of fat and stuff like that. And they'll come back and they'll have lost 20 pounds in the course of like a couple of weeks because their body is eating something that it knows how to digest and process, you know? So this is one of my favorite conversations ever. So always one of my very, very favorite topics growing up fat boy and trying to figure out my body and loving psych and evolutionary psych and how we've all evolved physiologically. So I, mm-hmm. I was all for, all for that. <laughs> um, I think too, another added level is what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, right? Like if someone has a body comp or they're very muscular and they're actively like pushing heavy weight, that body is likely to more naturally just want more meat than sugars. But like, if you look at a runner, that body is probably going to want more sugars than it is going to want loads and loads of meat. But I think of myself and myself ancestrally too. Um, I say that because I'm thinking of myself and my story. There's I'm Southeast Asian. I am made for rice. I could pound rice all day long. That has been the death of me in the past. Mm-hmm. But as I figured out my body more and, you know, and worked through a lot of the issues that were there, it, rice is fuel for me and my body really craves it. But the times where I'm lifting really, really heavy and not quite in the cardio mode, my nutritional needs change when my body's asking for changes. But when I'm more balanced, when I am 
kind of just function the way I'm meant to and doing what I'm meant to in this particular body. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's less meat and more carbs and I am efficient and buzzing and my energy is high and everything feels really good. And I can mm-hmm. probably eat, put down and be totally fine. And you could probably, there are many, I mean, there are obviously many tests that you could do to, to check that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, a, it's expensive because, uh, some of it would be expensive because generally speaking, like not a lot of it would be covered by insurance just because it wouldn't be indicated for you. But like, I mean, you could get things that would be covered by insurance, like checking it, what's called a hemoglobin A1C. I'm sure you know what that is, but like, it's a marker that we use to diagnose diabetes and to monitor diabetes. It's basically like hemoglobin, which is the thing that carries oxygen in your blood, um, lasts for about, uh, well, it lasts for about like three months, if not more in your blood. And so we take this thing called hemoglobin A1C and basically it just means that like hemoglobin A1C is the hemoglobin molecule that floats around in your blood in the red blood cells. And A1C means that it's had sugars cooked onto it. It has like a specific sugar. Um, I was going to say moiety. That's like a, a organic chemistry term, like a, a certain like sugar tail cooked onto it. So if you imagine like caramelizing bacon, right? You like put sugar rub on it and then you put it in the oven and it like cooks it. Um, these things have like been metabolically cooked onto the protein and the higher the percentage of that hemoglobin A1C is in your blood, basically the higher your blood sugars have been consistently over the last three months. So whereas like if I took your blood and I just measured how much sugar was in it, that is just a snapshot of where you're at right now. Like, oh, when was the last time you ate? Did you just eat? Of course, it's going to be higher. Did you eat like 12 hours ago? Of course, it's going to be lower, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, did you, did you eat like at 5 PM last night? And then you went for a long run at 8 PM and you haven't eaten anything since, and you haven't eaten in 12 hours. Like, of course your blood sugars are going to be lower. You don't have as much glycogen in your liver. Um, all those things would change your blood glucose, your blood sugar, but your hemoglobin A1C is like a, it's a snapshot of three months versus like of one moment in time. So that's something that you could check. And I bet like, if you ate, if you were just like, I'm going to eat the way that I feel like I should intuitively eat based off of my uh, like my ethnicity and like my, you know, my, uh, my anthropological understanding of, of where I come from, you could check your hemoglobin A1C in three months and see if, and see what it is compared to where it is right now. Um, or you could do, uh, what's called like a glucose tolerance test where I could give you whatever 75 grams of sugar in the form of white rice, have you consume it, measure your blood sugar before one hour after two hours after three hours after and see how your body responds to it and simultaneously measure the amount of insulin that your body produces and basically how you, how you respond to high sugar loads. I was thinking, was like, man, it'd be really cool to have you just be my personal doctor. Cause you understand me on so many levels that it's hard to find another physician who would, but I know it's also not your specialty and where you're going with it, but it'd be really freaking cool. You we'll see me my really- Ben Greenfield. <laughs> If only I was that smart. <laughs> right. He's a fucking hyper genius. Yeah. And our voices were that sexy. I know. Well, your voice is that sexy. His voice is like beyond deep. It is beyond the voice of God. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's Ben Earl Jones, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm out of things for this discussion right now. That's fine. I geeked out on nutritional science for like 30 plus minutes. I'm sure yeah. our listeners are like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was Talk about it. spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> I was loving it. But that was spirituality from a nutritional lens in a way. So, or just from the Zach and Neil lens. 
<laughs> or we're just having fun. <laughs> or we're just having fun, which is what we're going to continue to do and just have fun. <laughs> that is what I will say and what I will say right now. I've been thinking a lot about different podcasts and why people may listen to us. And I, I said this to you in a message is I'm just so grateful for you and for this space and to be able to genuinely just love being with each other and talking and being able to share that and have someone out there want to listen. It's just, it's really cool. And it's really, it's special. a blessing. Yeah, it's, it really it's definitely is. a blessing. Yeah. I'm grateful for it all the time. And I'm grateful for the listeners. Love you Whoever guys. Is still listening to us after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is those, more than we think. And I will say that those, uh, always more uh, however many of you are interested in nutrition out there. <laughs> I would say probably all people are interested in nutrition on some level, but yeah. Yeah. When it gets complex, it's like, oh boy. All right. And I think that's where we simplify, right? Like there's all these inputs and all these things that people will say and tell you. And more times than not, we're our own individual human beings, our unique systems that will speak to us. And I think what we are needing is often being told to us. And it's just a matter of honoring that at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. What what I will say for those people who are who are kind of interested in you're like, well, I, well, Zach, you talked about genetics, you talked about epigenetics and nutrition, but like, how do I know? Like, how do I can't just like guess at it? Uh, if you have a 23andMe or whatever the ancestry, like DNA reading, <clears throat> you can plug your results into a website called foundmyfitness.com. There's Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She's a PhD in, I think, nutritional sciences, and she is a fucking whiz. She's awesome. I would, I mean, I would highly recommend like listening to her podcast and like following her on Instagram, but she has this database that she's made on her website, found my fitness. <clears throat> and basically what you do is you plug in your, uh, your results from your ancestry or your 23 and me. And she has a database of nutritional nutritionally related genes with X amount of data attached to them. And so when you plug it in, she'll be like, oh, you have this allele of this type of gene for this type of carbohydrate metabolism. And then there'll be a write-out on practically what that means for the way that you should apply it to your diet or to your lifestyle. Um, and I think that there are like links to papers that you can read as well. It's incredibly, it's and it's really all donation-based. Cool. Yeah. Um, so if you do it, like, please donate to her because the amount, like straight up the amount of time that that kind of thing takes is like, on the order of, of thousands work. and thousands of hours, right? Yeah. 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 Like <laughs> thousands and thousands of primary articles that she's read over the course of probably like getting her PhD in thereafter and then compiling it all into some kind of intelligible database. Like it's even just even reading movie. one paper is takes several hours. So imagine. Yeah. It's it's really cool. I've had that bookmarked on my phone for probably over five years now, since the very first time I heard her on a podcast. Found my so, fitness. Yeah. Yeah. So she's legit. As are you, as are our listeners. So too legit to quit. <laughs> love you. That's all love you do, man. Yeah. Love you. Love hey. you. Love you. Love you. Bye.